Welcome to the Mind Body Musings Podcast, the show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Maddie Moon, and I'm here with the lovely Ginger Kern today. Ginger is a transformational coach, TEDx speaker, a Fulbright alumna, and the creator of Global Shapers Boulder Hub. After working in Europe for over three years and traveling to 25 countries around the world, by the age of 25, Ginger wanted to bring the traveler's mindset back to the U.S., she saw that only 38% of Americans have their passport. It's crazy. And she has since founded TravelersMindset.com, along with a nonprofit called The Passport Project to change that stat. Through her transformative coaching and keynote speeches across the U.S., Ginger's work creates adventurous people who are confident and powerful on the road and in their everyday lives. So I'm so excited to talk to Ginger. She's actually one of my friends here in Boulder, which is fun because I think only a few other people on this podcast that I've recorded with have been friends before we had interviews. So this is going to be very fun. And before we head on over, here is the review of the week. This comes from Sunny Sophie Lee, and she says, Wonderful podcast with five stars. I ran into your podcast a few months ago, and I am in love. I suffer from orthorexia, and your podcast is helping me learn how to love my body and my life. I keep learning amazing new things from each episode, and I truly admire and respect your genuine approach. One of the most important things I learned from your podcast is that I am worthy. And not just because you say so or I say so, but because God says so. We are worthy enough for salvation, for life, for a relationship with God, for forgiveness, and for love. Knowing this blows me away and reminds me that I am more than my body or diet. Thank you so much for being such a great role model and providing healing information on topics that need more attention in our, in our new society. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Sunny Sophie Lee. I appreciate that. Oh my gosh, tenfold. I appreciate that so much. Every time y'all leave a review, like I've said a million times in the show, it is the currency of iTunes, so it helps this show get bumped up in the rankings so more people see it. I don't care about being higher in the rankings, but I definitely care about people getting this message. So thank you, Sophie, and thank you everyone else who has left a review on the show. Okay, now without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Ginger. Hey, Maddie. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. Absolutely. I am so excited. This is long overdue, and <laughs> it's perfect timing with everything going on in, in my life and all the exciting things coming up in your life, so this is going to be yeah. such a great conversation. Yes. So where do we even start? There's just so many ins here. I know. So we're going to start with you and your amazing background and your story and how you evolved 
to where you are now. Sounds good. Well, let's see. I am originally from Milwaukee, and if you know anything about the Midwest, you know that it's not necessarily an area of the country that has a proclivity to travel much, especially outside of the country. So people often ask me, like, why were you even interested in living in Europe and traveling so much, blah, blah, blah. And I always go back to my own background because it it just so happens that both of my grandfathers immigrated to the United States. And so I still have people overseas in other countries. So I always had this fascination, like, what was life really like for them? And like, what could life be like for me now in my generation if I went back there, for example? And so I had the chance to do that when I was 14 years old. And this is something that I spoke about in my TEDx talk, A Key to Living the Life of Adventure. And if you look on, it's on YouTube, you can just Google it, you'll find it. Um, but basically, when I went over when I was 14, I was alone with my second cousins, and I didn't speak German, and I didn't speak Italian when we were traveling into Italy. And it was so freaky, because I was just this little kid. And still, Europe blew me away. And I just got hooked. I mean, you know now because you've been bitten by the travel bug hardcore that once you do, once that happens, there's really no going back. And all of the fears sort of just melt away because you just get that you can do it. So once I was on the other side of that at such a young age, I just wanted to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. So I started studying some languages, um, German and French and a little Italian as well. So that really helped me to then start my career in Germany specifically, um, right after I graduated from college. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of little steps along the way that we can totally talk about in terms of new travelers who maybe haven't had the language background or anything like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm stoked to talk to you about traveling internationally as a woman, about like different body image ideas that come up in different countries. It's just super fascinating to see the human experience in this broad spectrum. So yeah. Absolutely. So when you were 14 years old, which is so young to be traveling abroad in my, in my mind, cause yeah, I'm like totally. 24 and I'm like just now getting that, that bug, you know, taken care of. But <laughs> when you're 14 and you had this opportunity, were you just all of a sudden like, yep, I have to do this. Or were you like, I mean, what drove you to take advantage of this opportunity? Cause when I was, I was 14, I was more interested in like, I don't know if I was still into like Pokemon or like Lord of the Rings <laughs> or something, but I was just like in my own little world here and I had no interest in, in there. So yeah. how was that for you? Yeah. So for, first of all, let's clear something up. At 14, I was definitely interested in Lord of the Rings. So. Of course. Good. <laughs> uh, indeed. Um, but yeah, so when I was 14, before the trip, I was actually, I, I had just finished eighth grade and um, that was the year that September 11th had happened. So our eighth grade class, and this was all by, you know, coincidence or fate or whatever you want to call it. Um, our eighth grade class had planned a trip to Washington, D.C. And so my parents had already saved up for me going somewhere and September 11th happened and they no longer wanted me to go or maybe the trip got canceled. I actually can't remember which happened, but regardless, they had that set aside for me and they thought, you know, why not check and see if our relatives over there that we, you know, talk to once or twice a year would be willing to host our daughter for a little bit. And I mean, I'm just so grateful that they thought of that and that we had that family as a resource to be able to send me to, um, that they really thought of the idea. I didn't come up with it myself. So yeah, when they <laughs> proposed it as an idea to me, like, okay, do you want to fly across an ocean for eight hours alone and be with a family where you don't speak their language? 
I was really nervous for obvious reasons, right? Because there were a lot of unknowns. And this was right before the trip. Um, but I don't know what in me said yes, but something in me said yes. And so I was just like, okay, okay, sure. Yeah, let's, let's do this. Probably because it's just an adventure, right? Um, I, I know you and I have talked just privately about all of the inspiration that people can garner from books. And I was such a bookworm growing up that I think that probably translated into the actual actions that I was taking, like going and traveling. So that was the opportunity. I said yes to it. And that's really the key for anyone out there listening is like, if something presents itself to you as an opportunity, it's your job to say yes. And then once you say yes, you can actually, you know, work it out from there. But if you say no, then you just cut off the opportunity um, at, at the stem. So you can't even let it grow. So with what, how that turned out for me was actually just really exciting. I was, I felt totally accepted by my family when I went over there. They were just amazing hosts. Um, their kids spoke a little bit of English so we could get by, right? Um, I learned very quickly that you don't need language to communicate. You can just point at stuff. You can laugh. You can share music. You can dance. There's just all sorts of ways around it that it really just doesn't matter as long as you have a human-to-human connection, which very often doesn't involve words. I mean, you can think about it with maybe if you have a significant other or a really great relationship with one of your parents. And it's not that you're talking necessarily, but it's the presence that's there. So I learned that pretty early on. And that's translated into amazing experiences in parts of the world where, you know, you were recently in Southeast Asia, where I definitely don't speak the languages yet. Um, Yeah. So that's really how that got started and how that inspiration uh, became available to me. And I'm sure that shaped you in just so many different ways, even when you came back just being oh, yeah. able to apply those, like you were put in situations that could have been super frustrating, like, ah, you don't understand what I'm saying, yep. but you you dealt with it. And I can't even imagine what that would be like to learn those lessons so young. And of course, you have to learn them again and again and again. Yes, because and you're life, never done learning them. You're that's never done sure. learning them. Um, I had a yep. very funny, like, circumstance when I was in Thailand. I My roommate was like, because we ordered our food, we were living in a homestay for a while, and we ordered our food from the like house mom kind of it was sure. like the owner's mom and she was like okay order me like the yogurt muesli as well and i wanted to get one i went over and i was like two yogurt muesli bowls and she okay. was like okay and then she just like made me one with two yogurts two mueslis like two of everything <laughs> and it was like the hugest bowl ever and i was that's like great. okay well i mean being someone that's like comes from that anal, like must have my food in control kind of aspect, having Mm. this situation where I was like, oh, there's so much food in front of me and I'm supposed to eat it. And that was, it could have been a moment where I was like frustrated and mad, but Mm -hmm. it was like funny and it was totally fine. And it was nice to be able to learn to go with the flow. And I'm sure you having to learn those many different lessons at the over young age over, of, over and over and over. Yeah. But starting at 14. Wow. So totally. you had this amazing adventure. When was the first time you were completely alone in your travels, a solo traveler? Yeah, it's funny, you know, Maddie, because I was looking back at old Facebook albums, um, just it must have been a week ago or so. And I stumbled on this album where I actually had this weekend um, and I, I spontaneously had decided uh, to go from where I was studying abroad in Bonn in Germany to Amsterdam on a morning train. I had absolutely no plans. I knew no one in the city. I didn't even have a map. I literally just went online, saw that there was a train leaving at nine in the morning. And I was like, you know what? This weekend I am going to Amsterdam and I'm just going to go and I'm going to figure it out. 
And I was really scared, but I was so excited by that possibility of just the adventure and the experience and someplace new. And I mean, it's Amsterdam, right? Like everyone wants to go to Amsterdam or almost everyone. So in any case, I hopped on the train. I enjoyed the train ride. It was like three hours speed train from Germany into um, the Netherlands. And when I got to Amsterdam, I just walked out of the train station. You know, there's tons of people milling about. It's Amsterdam, right? And I'm on the main square right outside of the train station. I'm thinking, okay, so what do I do next? And there's literally just this open space in front of me where I don't, like, in my life, like, I have no idea what I'm going to do, what I'm going to create, who I'm going to meet. And it was just this amazing feeling of freedom because I was creating it moment by moment. So what I did was walk into a hotel, ask the concierge for a map, and then I just started walking around the city exploring on my own. And that was such a nice feeling to be able to do that solo because um, I hadn't had that before. I had maybe had it for like a day, right, for, you know, just 12 hours or something. But for three whole days, I was just able to literally explore whatever I wanted. I think that's the coolest part about being a solo traveler. Um, and you can kind of work up to it too. Like I said, if you're not ready for like three days on your own or like five weeks on your own, then start with one day on your own and build from there. But that whole weekend, it was so serendipitous. Literally, I like, I went to a couch surfing meetup that Friday evening when I just had arrived and, um, like later that day, right? And I met with three people who are, uh, happened to be traveling from Sweden through Amsterdam and we're going down to Brussels and they proposed like, Hey, well, we just bought this random car and we're on this road trip. They're young. They're like my age at the time. Right. And why don't you come with us to Brussels? So I said, okay, <laughs> cause I have to go back down to Germany anyway. So why not just go and see a new city on the way? Um, and at that very same night, I met a person who became my couchsurfing host the next night. So I was actually staying with him for free. And that person turned into a friend that I visited almost three years later when he moved to Cambodia. So I actually went and stayed with him in his movie house in Cambodia and like helped run the movie house for three weeks. So like literally that little weekend, this was back in 2009, it opened up all of these new travel options in just this 24 hour period of me stepping on a train, going to Amsterdam, stepping off the train, finding the place where the couch surfing meetup was and meeting all these people. So just goes to show that, you know, solo travel, you're actually rarely alone because you meet people, right? Like people are everywhere. So that, that was definitely the first and very memorable experience. Do you think anybody can go with the flow like that and learn to like, kind of I guess trust that everything will be okay because if I was in that situation I'd like to think that now um, like currently at, at this age that I'm at I would say yes let's do it I'm gonna like go hang out with y'all I'm gonna couch surf blah 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 like let's just go along for the ride but um, probably a few years ago I would have been terrified to do that because like this might, bad thing might happen this bad thing mm -hmm. might happen and even like recently I was in not, I mean like last year I was in California and these guys were like, hey, you want to go rock climbing with us? And I just met them at the coffee shop. They were like working at the coffee shop. And I was mm -hmm. like, um, I'm just going to go back to my room tonight because it was like safe and like I knew where my room was. And sure. like going out and like rock climbing with these two random guys that were working at this coffee shop could be totally terrifying. And <laughs> it could be. <laughs> totally That's could true. be. It could be extremely safe and lead to so many amazing adventures though. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I look back on that very small memory and I'm just like, I should have just said yeah and done something fun, which is a great lesson I now know and I can do that moving forward. But 
my original question. Do you yeah. think anyone can be like that? Do you think anyone can just learn to trust mm-hmm. situations and go with it? Yeah, absolutely. So there are a couple of things coming up for me when you ask that question. Um, number one is definitely that common sense is always in the picture, right? So um, even if I'm at, like, for instance, back then when I was at this couch surfing meetup, I wasn't just talking with anyone and saying yes to any opportunity, right? So I actually had a few solid hours to sit down with people like these three people from Sweden who were around my age and actually ask them like about their background, about their life, about what they were doing in Amsterdam, about, you know, just asking like follow-up questions so that when they presented this opportunity of, hey, do you want to come to Brussels with us? It wasn't like we had just met and I knew nothing about them whatsoever. We actually had this background of relatedness and there was trust there already. Um, now, you know, that again, there's this element of common sense and t- trusting your gut that comes into play. And I trust myself as a very good reader of a person's, uh, let's say like goodness factor, or I don't know, morality, if you want to use that word. Um, but relatively speaking, I can know if a person's out to get me or, you know, manipulative or if a person's like, you know, straight and narrow and I can totally, you know, rock it out with them. Um, And so with these three people, it was just very obvious from our conversation that that was the case. So for you, for instance, going back to California and in that coffee shop, when those guys asked that original question, which was probably a harmless invitation, you're right. But, you know, looking at something like climbing, what if they hadn't had the right gear, if they weren't really experienced climbers, um, if maybe they had like, I don't know, some creepy friend coming along that you didn't know about at first or whatever. Um, you just want to be able to ask those follow-up questions, as, especially as women, right? Like, it's good to know some details. Like, who are you actually going with? Where are you going to be? Can you text that location to a friend of yours who is in the same city or, you know, whatever? You know, worst case scenario, like, email it to someone just so that you are in connection with the outside world. Um, now, you know, these guys were probably harmless. But again, being with them, you can kind of poke and prod and like test and nudge or whatever, just in friendly conversation, just to see who are they really as people. And I bet that you got a good gut feeling from them and that it was really just your inner voices telling you like, ooh, like you might want to just stay in or like this is probably a little bit outside my comfort zone. And <clears throat> if it's that type of voice speaking like, oh, this is just kind of uncomfortable but not really like a risk, then you might want to actually go and take the risk because it could, again, open up all these amazing connections. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So having gone to 25 different countries, at least. Yeah, it's 26 now, actually. 26. (laughs) 26 different amazing countries. Have you been put in compromising situations where you were like fearful for your life? Oh, not well, not for my life. Um, definitely fearful, yes. Um, but luckily, I, I, I and this is something that you cultivate over time, right? You you learn how to put up really strong boundaries. You learn how to say a powerful no, like a really powerful no. This is not happening. Um, and it might be something as simple as you know you're in a club, like I dance salsa, for example. And so if there's a person who comes up to me and I truly don't want to dance with them, I I've learned over the years that I can truly just say no, no thanks, you know, and like leave it at that. No reasons, no explanation, no small talk. It's just like, no thanks. And then like hold that line, you know. So for instance, when I was um, in, let's see, this was London and I think this was 2000, I think this is also 2009. This is like kind of when I was learning a lot of these main lessons. Um, 
was I uh, I had gone out salsa dancing to bring it back to the point, and I stayed out relatively late, so like three, um, which for Europe really isn't that late. People stay out till like six or seven sometimes, depending on where you are, uh, which for Americans is like crazy, crazy late. That's like breakfast, right? Um, <laughs> which then they go and have breakfast after they go and, and and are in a club. But that's beside the point. So I love to dance salsa. I'm not a huge partier, so it's not that I'm like drinking or doing drugs at all when I'm dancing because I actually like the dance. Like I. I want to be on point. I want to be able to spin four times in a row and then stop on a dime, right? So when I'm dancing, I'm just dancing. And I happened to be out that night um, on my own, again, in London. And um, I was leaving the club and uh, was about to walk home to the double-decker bus station and, like, hop a double-decker and go back to where I was staying. Um, and I noticed that someone was walking behind me. I was like, okay, interesting. I'm just going to keep walking and you know, it's three in the morning. There aren't that many people on the streets. I know that the person behind me is a man just from the, the body movements and the weight and everything. So uh, I sort of glanced behind me and it was this guy in this bright blue suit, like top and bottom was like bright blue. And I was like, interesting choice of fashion, sir. Um, <laughs> but I kept walking and eventually he, he like called out to me and he's like, you're right there, love. You're right. And um, I just kept walking, pretend I didn't hear, hear him, right? He did it again. He got closer. He came up to walk beside me. And I was sort of like, hmm, so this guy's really like pushing the boundary thing here. So the other thing I'll say for people listening is that when you're in different countries, there are different social boundaries. Um, in Europe, it's typically a little bit more standoffish. You don't necessarily talk to strangers like you would in America, just strike up small chat. So I knew because I was in Europe and in London specifically, it might be a bit different because it's very diverse. It's a large city. There are a lot of people. But I still knew that the cultural norm was not to approach strangers necessarily, right? Unless you had a very specific reason to. Um, and so when this guy was coming up to me, I was like, hmm, okay, he wants something. What does he want? Well, let's see. I'm a woman walking alone at night, three in the morning. Um, I'm fully in control of my own faculties here. I could run if I wanted. I could, like, shout, whatever. Um, but I was sort of nervous. Like, this was the unknown of, like, what does this guy want? And uh, so I was just walking at a really good clip. And he kept talking to me, and I don't know what possessed me, Maddie, but I turned to him um, just slightly, not even to make eye contact or anything, but just, you know, a little bit to acknowledge that he was there. And I said in a French accent, which I have no idea where that came from, but it was this thing that my brain did. And I was like, um, I, I, don't, uh, I don't speak English uh, very well. And so I, I just said that to him and kept walking. And he was so confused. He was like, wait, wait, I can't communicate with this person that I'm trying to like bother or, you know, like get attention from or whatever. And I just kept walking. It was hilarious. Um, I was still a little bit scared on the inside, right? Like what if he still follows me? But <laughs> he ended up turning the corner and just going away and was like, but you understand, don't you? <laughs> and I was like, just walk, keep walking. So um, that was a little bit scary just because, again, I was in a city that I wasn't super familiar with. It was three in the morning. I was alone at night. There weren't that many people around because um, I do trust people. Like if I'm making noise, like there is likely some like one person who will always help. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I worked my way out of that situation as well, which speaks to the lesson of thinking on your feet, setting clear boundaries, um, being creative, um, being on mission, right? I like kept my head down and was just still walking the whole time. I didn't really engage him or engage with him at all. So yeah, I hope that gives people a little bit of an idea of all the different sort of tricks that you can pull out um, if you're ever in a situation like that. 
Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And it sounds like you have a very, I, I know you personally, so I know you have yeah. a, you're bubbly, but you have a calm demeanor when you need it. Totally. Like you can yeah. be very, um, just very like, you know how to control yourself and slow down yeah. and think through a process and what's happening. And I think that that probably comes with a lot of experiences you've had. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, some people just have like movies and, and like media to base off of situations and what to do and mm-hmm. panic maybe. Right. So it's good to know yeah. not to panic initially and even doing something as simple as what you said you did mm-hmm. in that accent, like could, could be the best thing, the best choice for you to do. Of course, totally. other times will call for other actions, but yes, that's helpful to hear at least. Yeah. And actually, I would insert one more small story just to sort of demonstrate that point of the inner dialogue that goes on. And like you said, Maddie, like, great point. What we see in the movies, or if anyone has ever watched that stupid movie Taken, or any of them, quite frankly, Uh then, you know, what's in their head? Well, it's like this nightmare scenario of how everything's going to go wrong and they're going to die. Like, literally, like, that's what's in their mind. And that's just so far from reality for like 99.99% of people that it's like, what are you going to deprive yourself of the experience of expansion and exploration and discovery and amazing connections? Because this 0.00001% chance that something might go wrong. Like, no, that's just, it's not logical. And um, so to, to go back to the whole scary story sort of thing, when I was in Bangkok, um, which I know you were just there, Maddie, I was, let's see, I was coming in for the first time. I had never been to Bangkok before. Again, I was traveling alone. This is actually prior to visiting my friend in Cambodia. And so I was there getting an airport taxi from the airport into the city to stay in a guest house. And, you know, all of the taxi drivers are men. There are like no female taxi drivers, right? So I step in the cab expecting it to be a man, all good. You know, I gave him the directions in Thai. I had printed them out from Google Maps, like in Thai at home in the States. Um, and also from like the, the little guest house website, they had them in Thai and I gave them to him. So we start driving and he like, you know, it's, it's a big city. So it takes a while, but eventually we get into an area of the town where the streets are smaller. You know, you can tell this is more of like business district, um, with like little guest houses everywhere. And, uh, so we're pulling into this alley and I'm like, Hmm, this doesn't necessarily look like where we should be. And I'm not really sure what's going on, but he then stops the car. And so I talk about this in my TEDx talk. Like I'm sitting there in the back of this cab, having just arrived in the country, I'm jet lagged. I haven't really eaten good food because <laughs> that's sometimes hard to arrange when you're traveling on planes. Um, this man is driving the cab. I don't know where I am. I don't speak the language. And all of the people on the streets at that time, again, it's like, you know, nine or 10 at night, they're all men. So I'm just sitting there like, hmm, I'm really afraid right now, actually. Like, I don't know what's happening. And I have no way of controlling the situation. Like, the only thing that I could feasibly do if something were to go wrong is to get out of the cab and run, for example. And so I'm just sitting there. And all of a sudden, this little voice in my head just says, Ginger, breathe and trust, like breathe and trust. And And so I just did that and I was just waiting. So he was talking, you know, all the while to this group of men on the street and he came back to the cab and it turned out that all he was doing was asking for help with the directions. That's it. He was literally confused. Um, He couldn't figure it out. So he was just asking for some help. And then he got me exactly where I needed to go. 
and was like so so nice like he apologized you know like cuz they know certain words right and i know like five words in thai so you can say sorry you can say thank you and and vice versa in the other language and that's what he did he was just really sorry that it took extra time and there i was sitting in the back seat like you know breathing a sigh of relief but also seeing how my own thought processes had so quickly taken me down this spiral of worst case scenario panic like oh my god things are going wrong like it's not going how i wanted it to go and so i was able to see that in the moment and catch myself and just tell myself breathe and trust right so that's definitely something that anyone can do in any scenario Wow, that is incredible. Well, thank you for sharing that story cuz I I feel like I was like on the edge of my t- my couch right now. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, what happened next?" Yeah, yeah. I would be I would be freaking out in my mind. So, moving forward, like for me when I go to Asia, like that's important to remember is just like the breathe, trust, breathe tr- and be smart, but breathe and trust. So switching gears a little bit, I want to talk about body image and yeah, your experiences good. with that. First of all, I don't know if we've ever really talked about this, but have you ever, I think most men, women have, most people have, but have you ever personally struggled with body image? Yeah, actually. So mostly in high school and it wasn't a thing that translated into an eating disorder, disordered eating or anything like that. But, you know, just like any teenage girl, I looked at my body and I didn't see what I wanted to see. And some days it's still like that. Let's be real. You know, like people are people, right? Yeah. So it's just the only difference now is that I can catch that negative thought pattern and just set it aside because it's actually literally just something that's going on in my mind. It has nothing to do with my actions or my impact out here in the world with like other people, like in conversation with you, for example. So back then I looked at myself and I said, hmm, okay, well, my hips are too big and my boobs are definitely too small. This is wrong. Everything about this is wrong. No one's going to like me. I'm not going to be attractive. And my hair is too big, like all sorts of stuff, right? And it's it's just so interesting to see how, I don't know how this happens, but like how you like grow into yourself. And I feel like I've like grown into myself, right? So if you take my hair, for example, like I used to hate, 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 hate my hair. And Maddie, you know, because you know me in person. but Your hair is awesome. Like- <laughs> it's awesome. Hey. So like now I love it and it's this like lion's mane and I rock it and it's totally fun and like, you know, it's just great. So that's like one small example where I just hated my image and how it showed up in the world. Um, and I felt like it just kept me kind of in this, I felt like it kept me separate because I didn't really fit in. Um, like it was too much, like too much hair, for example, because <laughs> um, I have a lot of hair. So anyway, that's like one small example. But as far as um, how this relates to travel... One thing that I have noticed is that by traveling more, I'm actually more self-confident in my own skin. And here's why. It's actually quite simple. When you travel around to all sorts of different areas of the world, you notice how the different cultural assumptions of what beauty means change so drastically from place to place that at some point, and I don't know when this was for me, but at some point, you kind of just switch off your little voice in your head because you realize that there's absolutely no concept of normal whatsoever. That beauty is just this word and every single person on earth has a different meaning for beauty. And so if you're trying to chase some sort of word that's like beauty, for example, or, or, or thinness or skinniness or whatever it is, it's just totally different concept from country to country, from city to city, from person to person. So like, why would I even bother with that? I mean, for me, it just felt like a waste of time after a while. Um, and I can give you a specific example. So 
going down to Colombia earlier this year, I, you know, I had heard stereotypes about Colombian women, like how gorgeous they are and how like amazing their bodies are and everything. And, you know, you've probably heard similar things. And I found that like when I was there, I was talking with my, my good friend, Anna, who hosted me for the first week. She's actually from Medellin where I stayed. And I was having whole conversations around body image with her. And it was just so interesting to see how the stereotype of like the beautiful Colombian woman is supported by a very large plastic surgery industry that's also quite affordable in that country. And, and you know, if you, if you talk to people who have traveled extensively um, to Latin America in general, like, you know, well, curvaceousness, that is awesome. That is rock star. Like that's beauty, right? So all of a sudden I was down there and I was feeling like, hmm, cool. Like I have a thin waist and I have like relatively, I have hips, right? And I have this big hair. Like I kind of fit in here almost, even though I don't look Latina like at all. But I felt like my body fit in, if that makes sense. And then coming back to the States, it's like, oh, well, that doesn't even matter anymore because everyone around me is so different, so diverse. And I know that, you know, somewhere in the world, like I'm going to feel really attractive. And then somewhere in the world, I'm probably going to not fit in, but I can still feel really attractive. (laughs) So it was this weird switch in my brain, like, oh, cool. Yeah, this is like totally fine to just be who I am and own my own body that I get to live in that I have to, I get to have a life in. It's like really cool. So yeah. 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 That is so cool. I heard the same thing about Colombian women. Do you think when you went over there or going over to other places, did they have the same social like desire to look a particular way? Like do all women kind of experience their own body image struggles across the the world? Absolutely. Yeah. And just to go back for a second, I I don't mean to generalize, like it's not that all women in Colombia have plastic surgery. Definitely not. But a high percentage in this particular city do. Um, But to go to Southeast Asia, for example, or uh, much of Asia in general, you'll notice, and maybe you did when you were there, Maddie, but you'll notice in the stores that there are all sorts of um, bleaching creams, like whitening creams, and um, that even deodorant has like bleach in it because one of the desires there is to have lighter skin. And so while we over here in the States are trying to slather on, you know, oil and like tanning lotion and things like that and going fake tanning and like ruining our skin and getting wrinkly (laughs) Um, in Asia, a lot of the countries are the women in those countries are looking to lighten their skin, bleach it with harsh chemicals. And neither is, you know, neither is healthy. Right. So it's just really it's just a matter of like getting back to your own personal desires. Like what do I really want for myself? How do I want to show up in the world? And what does beauty mean to me? Like not to anyone else, not to the the people around me or or what I'm seeing on magazines or or whatever, but like really what where do I feel really good in my body? How do I feel sexy? How do I feel like powerful and and radiant and brilliant, you know? And that's going to come from deep diving inwardly, not from looking outside of yourself. Right. And when you think about it, it's just amazing we even have bodies to begin with, to have conversations with people, to be able to serve the world, to be able to see the world. Like that is what I was realizing when I was on that that short trip, just the powerful fact that I could go across the world, see beautiful places and meet new people and the last thing I was really concentrating on was my body image. Like that was like the most pointless thing. Like I wanted to try the food. I wanted to like relax and do amazing hikes and get get sweaty, feel free. And that's exactly what I did. And when I came back here, 
I felt like I carried a lot of that with me. There were moments, of course, where I was like, okay, um, back in the U.S., like, there are different expectations here, but it was easier for me to just say, like, that's stupid. Like, I'm not going (laughs) to think about those things right now when I have this amazing experience now under my belt and I'm ready for more. Um, And so what about the food? Whenever you go abroad, Mm. do you just, like, totally take advantage and dive right into all the different delicious foods? I try to. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's something, something that I'm working on right now is, um, some dietary restrictions that have come up over the years. So for instance, I've recently, um, over the past three years or so, not really been eating gluten at all. And I've been cutting back a ton on dairy. And so with, um, with traveling, you know, that's made things a little bit more difficult just because you have to ask for specific things and be able to communicate that. So, you know, whether I carry um, like a little translation note in my phone or maybe I have something written out, that's been a real big help. But basically when I travel, I do want to try everything that I possibly can because I'm not going to get that back at home. Like Colorado is great, right? But it doesn't have all this variety of food like you might find in a coastal city of the United States. And so when I'm out of the country, I especially want to really be adventurous with my palate and um Along, you know, along the course of the years, I've stumbled on some really excellent travel bloggers um, who blog specifically around food. And one of them, her name is Jody Ettenberg. She runs LegalNomads.com. She's just a fantastic writer. So if any of any of you guys listening want to check her out, go for it. It's LegalNomads.com. But basically, she travels by following her mouth. And her big thing is soup. And I just got so inspired by all of her posts on soup that, you know, wanting to go to Southeast Asia in part was wanting to, like me wanting to actually try pho for the first time authentically and eat it for breakfast rather than how we would normally do it here in the States for like a lunch or or dinner meal. And so I ended up doing that and I just loved it. I mean, the herbs, they're so fresh. And then there's lime and there's this like the savory hoisin sauce and just everything all together mixing in your palate and you're sitting on this little red plastic chair in Southeast Asia, like whether you're in (laughs) Vietnam or you might be in in Thailand at a Vietnamese place, for instance. But you just have this whole experience and the sounds around you and the smells, like they contribute to the meal itself. And so I highly recommend diving into the cuisine. Like don't just visit the Western places if you're in, you know, in Asia, for example. Don't just visit the American places if you're in Europe, obviously, right? But I think with one caveat, so knowing that when you travel, you will probably have a day of food sickness. Just know that, you know, at some point you're probably going to want to go back to your normal food because if something does happen, it's nice to have that basis of just like, oh, okay, I can have, you know, some, some rice and like a burger or something that's normal. Right. Have you been, have you had like food sickness uh, multiple times? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I actually plan for it nowadays. Um, Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it happened to you when you were. Uh, I ta- didn't surprisingly. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and it might be that you have um, stronger and this is like going to sound weird, but you might have stronger intestinal flora than I do. Like who knows? Right. Um, but basically, yeah, I always just plan for, you know, something's going to probably go wrong at some point. So like when it happens, all good. It's just part of the par for the course, part of the experience. Um, and it, again, it doesn't last for more than a day usually. So if it happens, it happens. And then you just know, okay, well, I just got to stay in and lay low and take care of myself today. Um, 
So it doesn't happen every time, thankfully. But when it does, then your brain already knows, oh, okay, I planned for this. This isn't something that's like really abnormal. I don't have to freak out. And I think that's the space that we want to be in is like the not freak out space, you know? Right. And to you, like you see food as like a beautiful thing in this world, right? Have you, do you have any advice for people? Cause I know you haven't really experienced this personally to a, yeah. a huge degree, but do you have any advice for people that feel like are so obsessed with their healthy eating that it's keeping them from seeing the world or maybe mm. they have, they're coming out of orthorexia, they're in orthorexia where they just have this obsession with either eating super pure, you know, quote pure sure. foods or restricting their food intake. Do you have any advice from like, how they can go into traveling with an open mind? Yeah, it's actually a really interesting question. I haven't considered it. So this answer is going to be a little off the cuff. Um, with anything like where, where you're dealing with your comfort zone versus your reach zone versus your panic zone, take the baby steps that you're open to taking. Don't force yourself to do anything because that's just going to come back and bite you in the butt basically. Right. So think about, you know, if you're in, let's just stick with Thailand because we've been riffing on Thailand this whole time. Uh, if you're in Thailand and you, you know, you are counting your calories so religiously that it's, it's scary for you to think about going and ordering a dish made by the woman on the corner that you have no idea how much oil she's using. You have no idea what, you know, what ingredients she's using, um, or how many calories it is. What you can do is just start really small, you know, like, eating like one or two pieces of fruit and just tasting this new fruit for the first time as if you were doing some sort of a, a sample, you know, like taking samples of like different things. And you don't have to eat a full meal if that's something that makes you panic, right? Because that's the last thing that we would want for someone who's trying to expand their comfort zones is to panic, right? We just want you to be in that reach zone of like, hmm, I wonder what jackfruit tastes like. And yeah, I have no idea how many calories it is. And I'm freaking out about that. But I really want to try jackfruit. So I'm going to buy a whole bag because they come in these little baggies, right? And it's going to cost me all of 50 cents American, right? But I'm going to buy it. I'm going to have a piece. And I'm going to really enjoy that piece because I want to taste what jackfruit tastes like. And so just starting from there, and once you get comfortable with that, then step it up a notch. Maybe get a pad thai and eat as much as you're comfortable with. Like taste the flavors, really enjoy the the fresh herbs and knowing that if you order a dish with chicken in it, you know, that chicken probably came from two blocks away. And that's like amazing. And the fla just uh, the flavors, just don't get, get me started. <laughs> it's like right. so good, it's crazy. Yes. But, and your body is such a incredible, it's just such an incredible thing. Like it knows how to yeah. metabolize food. Like you, your oh, brain, yeah. maybe you freak out because you've read an article that says if you have blah, blah, blah food, then it's going to metabolize slower if you eat it after this or combine it with this. And like all that is BS because your body knows right. how to metabolize things. And some of us, like you said, have weaker intestinal tracts than others, but your body still <laughs> figures it out. Like it still it will figure it out and it'll metabolize it and you will move on and it'll be the next day and the next meal. And You'll yep. have a whole life of just like choosing meals. So you may as well just slow down and enjoy each one. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, it's just a beautiful experience because it adds to the travel. So like what would travel be without, you know, pizza in Italy, like actual Italian pizza yeah. with thin crust, like real buffalo mozzarella and like whole leaves of basil, right? Oh my like, gosh. It's so amazing. And it just, it speaks through, like the culture speaks through its food. So by like cutting yourself off 
from the food, you're actually not learning about this amazing part of a culture that's probably existed for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, and you know, you're also depriving yourself of the potential connections that arise around food. Food is an inherently social thing for humans, right? So we want to sit down with another human being and enjoy something together and have that shared experience. So yeah, I mean, go for it because it's going to just open up all sorts of wonderful connections that don't even have anything to do with the food. So last big question before we go to the quick fire round. I yeah. want to ask you about relationships because I, I've talked with you personally sure. about this. Um, but you know, on this podcast, I would love for you to talk about how you and your partner balance both of you wanting to travel and still giving each other that space to do so and how, <laughs> how you make that work together. Yeah. Oh man. I just have to smile because it's such <laughs> a good question. Um, so what I hear a lot, so just for context, I, I do, I am a transformational coach and I, for instance, this, uh, this fall in September, I'll be leading a trip to Europe back to where I used to live. I was in uh, Germany for three years and I was very often in Luxembourg. So I thought to myself, why not take a very small, intimate group of women, uh, to these two places, the wine country of Germany and like this wonderful tiny fairy tale country that's, that is Luxembourg. And thinking to myself, okay, well, cool, let's get a group of nine women together. Um, and doing this on my own, of course, that means that I will have an experience that's separate from my boyfriend. And thinking about it ahead of time, months down the line, I imagine that he will likely be a little bit sad that he's missing out on an experience like this with me. And at the same time, I know myself that I will be growing and developing. And he actually knows that too. So he sees the potential for my growth and development for me to actually go and have an experience, whether it's in another country or another city and develop as a, a woman, as a human being to become more interesting, deeper, more multifaceted. I'll know more stuff. I'll have like new interests, new hobbies, new who knows what, like things that I can actually then bring back into our relationship and share with him so that he can develop and grow and, and know me in a new way. So what we really have come to in our partnership is that anytime one of us goes off and travels like alone, we know that that person is going for their own self benefit and for the benefit of us. So they're coming back and they're actually contributing something more into the relationship than what they previously had access to, whether it's through again, like new knowledge, new connections, um, a new sense of self, uh, an expanded sense of their own confidence. Maybe it's more creativity. So both of us are really present to all of the benefits that travel really opens up for us. And yes, of course, there's going to be a voice in our head saying, dang it, I'm really jealous. I wish I could go with that person. Like, I'm not going to say that that's not there because of course it's there, but it's not the overriding voice. Like the deeper voice is saying, oh, co t totally cool. Let them go. Let them explore. Like, that's the freedom that I want. So why wouldn't I give that freedom to someone else? Right. So it's this sort of like reciprocal feeling of like, wow, we really support each other's growth and we're coming back and contributing something to each other. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, that is amazing. I love that so much. Y'all are such a great couple and I can Thanks. see that you encourage <laughs> growth in each other. And uh, I, I know that that I've experienced that being, I ex experienced more of the tough side of that. Not yeah. so much as it being like where you are, where it's, you know, fly, be free, like enjoy yourself Like <laughs> for the other partner. It's more of the, this is hard. This is hard. Yeah. How do we do this? So 
I, I love just talking to you about that in particular, because I'm sure y'all still struggle with this at times, but mm-hmm. you come back to that same, um, commitment y'all made with each other or that same understanding. And that's really like amazing of y'all. So I'm, I'm really, you. yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that acknowledgement. And it's, it's a common thing, right? Like what you experienced is, is very common. Like one partner doesn't want the other to travel or, um, one partner is afraid and, and then you feel bad because you don't want to quote unquote cause them pain. And you know, in your heart of hearts that there's this thing that's calling for you, the adventurer to step into something that's bigger than what you've been living previously. And that you actually do want to go and expand and grow and, and bring something back to share with them. So it's, it, it is a tricky topic, definitely, because it brings up people's trigger points, right? And just makes people kind of uncomfortable. That's out of their comfort zone, again, uh, for both parties. So thank you for asking the question. I think it's really, really relevant. Yeah, of course. And now I think this is a great tool for people. If they are going through this with, with their partner, they can send them this podcast and they can listen yes. to it together. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Or reach out to me. I mean, I'm happy to yes. talk about this one-on-one. Like Absolutely. I always say on podcasts, please reach out. Like you guys know where to find me. We'll talk about that at the end. Maddie will have it in the links. Like it's all good. Like I'm actually a human being too. Like you can talk to me, you know? So that was my next question. So that's perfect. Tell us where we can connect with you online. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of travel related stuff, you're going to want to check out travelersmindset.com. That's travelers with one L. Um, I have to say that for folks who might be li- listening from um, the UK or Australia, etc. So travelersmindset.com first and foremost. Second, if you're interested in anything related to coaching or if you'd like to apply to be a participant on my trip to Europe this fall, if you're a woman, that is, um, then you check out my website. That's gingerkern.com. Super simple. Um, and again, Maddie, I'm sure you'll write those in the description so you'll know how to spell it and everything. And then like reach out to me on Twitter. You can tweet at me. You can hit me up on Facebook. Like again, everything is traveler's mindset or traveler's mind. Um, and my name is Ginger Kern. So pretty easy to find. Yes. And I will have all of those links on the show notes of this episode. You can find it at maddiemoon.com slash ginger dash Kern. And this is episode 101. All right. So quick fire round time. Woo-hoo, One let's of my do it. favorite parts. <laughs> okay. First of all, what is the traveler's mindset? Okay. So in short, it is openness, curiosity, and a sense of adventure. And that's something that you can cultivate right where you are. You don't have to, you know, spend money on fancy plane tickets or hotels or blah, blah, blah all around the world. You just got to be open. You got to be curious. Be asking those questions, right? Asking them of yourself and of the people around you. And be adventurous. So take those little risks. Push your comfort zone. That's really all it is, whether you're at home or abroad. What is your top favorite country that you visited? If you could pick mm, one. Sure. Um, oh, God. <laughs> this is the hardest question in the world. <laughs> I hate this question. Um, I always have to give three answers because there's just like... You ridiculous. can. Uh, you can okay. do that. Oh, thank it. you, Maddie. Thank <laughs> you for your generosity. You're so welcome. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, one of them for the reason of relaxation and adventure and the cuisine is Thailand. Like, hands down, it's just an amazing place. Um, super hospitable, extremely welcoming, friendly people. And, you know, you can't beat the price either. So that's all good. Um, the second one that comes to mind for me, just because of na- the natural beauty and the, the country's aesthetic, is Switzerland. Um, I also love its diversity for such a small place, you know, having German, French, and Italian in one country, having the Alps, having these crystal clear blue alpine lakes, like just an amazing place. 
Um, and, and the cities are gorgeous as well. So Geneva in particular is a favorite of mine. Um, and then for, you know, nostalgic and heart sort of warm heart, fuzzy feelings related reasons, I do love Luxembourg. It's this tiny country that no one ever thinks of. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's very close to my heart. So yeah, those three. What are two material things you cannot live without? Two material things. Oh my God, my laptop and my passport. That's pretty much what I need. <laughs> oh yeah. I love those. Yeah. <laughs> when you hear body freedom, what does that mean to you? I think immediately of dance. Body freedom for me is like movement and mm-hmm. these like sensual moves that I've learned over the years through salsa or ballroom dance or whatever. And it just feels so free and, and I feel like energy is in my body. I'm activated. I'm alive. That's what body freedom feels like for me. What is a must read book? Mm. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh my God. Five titles just popped in my mind. <laughs> Where do I start? Okay. I'll just start. I'll just do one. So if you're at all interested in, um, like, uh, this is kind of going to be random, but conflict mitigation and like peace, um, in the world or in yourself or peace in your relationships where you've had conflict before. Um, I would highly recommend the book, the anatomy of peace, the anatomy of peace. It's amazing. It breaks it down into like step-by-step, like how you can be at peace with your own heart, how you can be at peace out in the world and really how we can create a more peaceful society. So yeah, that's it. If you could interview anybody in the world, who would it be? Amelia Earhart. That chick. Seriously, I want to know what happened to her, Maddie. No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and she's just a personal hero, heroine of mine. Um, so yeah, Amelia, for sure. What is your favorite way to unwind at the end of a long day? You know, that depends. A lot of the time it's going to be with my boyfriend, um, whether it's, you know, cooking dinner together or going for a walk around Boulder, like on Pearl Street. I don't know, whatever we end up doing that particular day. But I think... If I'm alone, if I'm alone, I like to come home and like, it sounds weird, but I like to clean because I like to have a clean space um, to actually have my thoughts have room. Um, So yeah, like coming home and like making sure that things are in order and that I just have space and calm and, and order. Yeah, that's what that would be. Do you have a favorite meal that you've had like on your travels? Well, aside from like everything, <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's see. Pho is definitely a favorite, but you have to eat it in Vietnam. That'll be the best. Um, I love, 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 um, raclette, which I can't have anymore because of the dairy, but when, back when I could have it, uh, it's this like cheesy, gooey, potatoey, like mix that you, I mean, it's like, high calorie, high dense food that you would eat in the winters traditionally um, in Europe. So you can find it in Switzerland and France, um, in Luxembourg, you can find it in Germany, um, sort of like Northern European, think cold climates where, you know, farmers would need to have a lot of calories to survive the day, right? Um, so raclette definitely was a, a past favorite for sure. Your closet, is it minimalistic or is it packed? Oh, it's minimalistic, dude. You know me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I've got this, I literally, I live with three guys in this very like sizable house here in Boulder. And my closet is the smallest of all of the guys' rooms. So it's so funny, but I make it work. <laughs> if you could challenge everyone listening to this to let go of something, what would that be? Great question. So if you're listening, 
you likely have a little voice that talks to you in your head almost constantly. It's probably always telling you, you know, what's right and what's wrong and, and judging things and evaluating things to be good or bad. Um, and sometimes that voice tends to tell us to not do things or to, you know, judge ourselves. And what I would challenge people who, whoever's listening is to be able to say to that voice, thank you for sharing and then set it aside. And then take an action consistent with what you're actually committed to, what your goals are, what you say that you want for yourself in your life, what your dreams are. So just saying to that voice, thank you for sharing. Literally, I'll do that sometimes even out loud. It might be weird, but it totally works. Because whatever's in my head, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't impact what I'm doing out here in the world. So just say thanks for sharing, set the voice aside, and go and do what makes you happy. Beautiful. Last question. What's yeah. your favorite animal? Interesting. I haven't thought about this one in a while. Ooh, are you going to psychoanalyze me once I give you an answer, Maddie, and tell me what that means? <laughs> um, I'll probably just think it's your like, what is that thing My called? Spirit an animal? Yeah, like your spirit mm. animal, or like Harry Potter. Like oh yeah, your your um oh not your animagus. That's something else. But yeah, uh, I can't. Your think Patronus. Of it. Yeah, yeah, your Patronus. Yes. So if I had a Patronus, what would it be? That's a that's a great question. <laughs> don't know if I have a favorite animal. If I had a Patronus, it would be probably some type of bird. Um, oh. Yeah, some type of like very large bird, but graceful. So I don't know which bird that might be, but it would be one of those. Maybe like a special Harry Potter bird. Like yes. it's in, in, the, in that land. Bird. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, you got to find that out now. Like you're going to have to, next time someone asks you that question, you're going to have to be prepared. I know. And I guess that means I'll have to go and travel to England and like do some research on, you know, past magical birds that they had around I there. I guess so. so. You're just going <laughs> to have to do that. Oh, no. <laughs> well, Ginger, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I'm glad we got to do this. And oh, I just love talking with you. And it's just so cool that we could talk about traveling. And I finally kind of feel like I'm in this club and I have a little bit of insight. And I'm just really excited. Okay. Uh, by the time this airs, I will actually be and I'll probably be in Cambodia when this is airing. Amazing. So, oh, I have so many tips for you. I cannot wait. And I need them all. I Good. need all of those. So thank you again for coming on. And I'll <laughs> definitely have to get you on again sometime. Yes, please. I would love that. Thank you so much to everyone listening. Thank you, Maddie, for having me on. And please, again, reach out, ask me questions. I would love to help you guys travel. It's Again, it's like a personal mission of mine. So thank you so much. And if you want to check out her links, make sure you go to maddiemoon.com slash ginger-kern or you just go to my website it'll be the first thing on there if this podcast just came out and yeah i hope if y'all have any questions or you want to like keep up with where i'm at where i'm traveling make sure you're on my email list make sure you're on my newsletter and follow my website because i'm definitely planning on blogging a bunch throughout this adventure so um thank you everyone Sweet. for listening yay yay <laughs> and that's a wrap <laughs>